If you have a Bible, please turn to Romans chapter 8. We have one more sermon that is outside the book of Mark. And next week we will be back in our series in the book of Mark. Last week I wanted to, to end the year with a, uh, with a call to action, which was specifically read your Bibles. Um, if you weren't here, I recommend uh, listening to that sermon, not for any other reason than we need to be people of the Bible, we need to be people of Scripture, and there is no better time like this time of year when everybody's making New Year's declarations and resolutions and all those things to say, I'm going to read through my Bible in a year, um, not just to say that you did it, not just to check the boxes, but to let Scripture be a part of your life, get into a habit of reading it. In the back here on the table where the communion elements are, I've got a Bible reading plan that splits it up uh, into uh, four separate readings each day which will take you through um, the whole Bible in a year, and I believe it takes you through the New Testament twice, uh, I think is the way that that works. So uh, anyway, that's there in the back if you would like to grab that. I've given everybody enough time to go to Romans 8. Romans 8 chapter, or excuse me, Romans 8 verse uh, 23. Let me tell you, before we read this, let me tell you what we're going to do. Um, actually, I'm going to need help this morning. So... We're going to need volunteers. This is terrible for the live stream. Everybody in the back, forgive me. Uh, but I'm going to need some volunteers to read some scripture. Um, nothing too problematic. There aren't any weird names. I think Dan Emerson got saddled with a weird name last time. and uh, So no weird names. I'm going to read this one, but I, I need some volunteers. So does anybody want to raise their hand to volunteer to read? Anybody at all? Nobody wants to, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just assign Rob. Rob looked at me, he made eye contact, that means he gets one. Um, so Rob gets uh, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 18 through 20. Brenda, she is smiling and raising her hand, so uh, you get Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Dan, you get uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 21 through 22. Somebody else? Anybody else? Jennifer, love you very much with all of my heart. You get Romans 15, 13. And Brooke is smiling. That means she gets one. Uh, Brooke, you get, uh, you get Romans uh, chapter 5. Actually, no, no, I don't need that one. So, Brooke, you, you don't have to do it. So, okay, babe, you're the last one. So, nope, we got it. Okay, so when, when, I, when I get to that verse, I'll just ask you guys to read that really loud uh, wherever you're at. So, but the first one I'm going to read, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. So let's look at that together. And not only the creation... But we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, 
We wait for it with patience. The subject this morning is hope. Last week, it was, let's read our Bibles going into the new year. And this week, I want us to start with a message on hope. Hope is a life-altering reality that God gives us. Um, I, I have very much been affected by all the scriptures in the Bible on hope, uh, especially going through, some of you have heard me say this before, uh, intense, dark depression uh, in my 20s and just feeling utterly in despair. The scriptures that God took me to that totally got me out of that were scriptures on hope. And over the years, I've seen just how valuable hope is. The book of Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, But here, what we really want to look at, and what I want to do this morning is define hope, and then talk a little bit about what that definition means for us as Christians. So let's look at this text again really quick. It says that we are groaning. Now Romans 8 is the most thick theological chapter in the Bible. So you could, there's so much to say here. But we're just going to zero in on the subject of these verses, which is we are groaning within ourselves because we've received something. It says that we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are born again Christians. We are new creations in Christ. We've received something great, so you do not anticipate that we're groaning. But we are. He says we're groaning inwardly, and and what we're doing as we're groaning is we are eagerly waiting. We wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. Many times I've had people say, you're saved when you become a Christian, but your body isn't saved. Your body is not a Christian. I don't know if you've noticed, but you still want to do stupid things. Anybody noticed? You become a Christian, and yet you still want to rebel, you still want to lust, you still want to get mad, you still cuss people out, at least inwardly, when they pull out in front of you in traffic. Why do you do that? Because you are still inside, you are still trapped in this sinful world, in a sinful body, and so the, the scripture is saying we've received something from God, but we're groaning because we want out. This place is not our home. We want out. And that's what, that's what he's saying. And then he says, for in this hope we were saved. And he gives you a definition of hope. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? I am not hoping to see my wife this morning. I can see her right there. Now, if she was away on a trip, and I was waiting for her to get home, because the house is in utter chaos without her, not that that bears any resemblance to reality, but it does. Uh, and I'm like that old uh, J.C. Penney commercial where the guy looks over and says, where is your mother? That guy was hoping for her return. But when you're right here, I don't have to hope because I see it. And what Paul is saying is, if we had the object of our hope, we wouldn't be hoping for it. We would be looking at it. And the object of our hope 
is the redemption of our bodies, which has not yet happened. We are not yet in heaven. When you get to heaven, this verse ceases being an issue for you because you are realizing what you were hoping for. What every Christian is hoping for is heaven. Now, this is going to be really important this morning because this is going, this, this is way more than just some wishful, hoping, flimsy, foggy, misty, yeah, I hope so. I'm just going to live my life, my real life, my normal life. And I kind of hope that maybe one day I was good enough to go to heaven. That is not biblical hope. The, the word hope in Greek, it translates to mean an earnest expectation to anticipate with joy and with pleasure. The, the easiest way to describe it is Christmas. And I've described this many times, but Arwen, my eight-year-old back here, guess what she felt every morning opening the Advent calendar? She's hoping a little bit more, looking forward to the day of Christmas morning. Right? Everybody knows what I mean? Everybody remember the feeling as a kid? I remember being in elementary school, collaring pictures, Christmas pictures, red and green crayons, all stubby and beat up because we're using them vigorously, collaring pictures, people are bringing in cookies, presents are everywhere, Christmas lights are everywhere. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is on ABC, you get to watch The Grinch, all the stuff is happening. Very much Generation X, and so... All the things are happening. There's Christmas stuff in the stores. There's a Christmas tree now in my house. My anticipation starts building and getting stronger. And it felt like it took forever to get there. But every day was a day of hope, of longing and yearning for Christmas morning. There was not one single year in my life that leading up to Christmas where I ever said, I sure hope we don't miss it. I never even thought, I didn't think that way. I knew that Christmas was coming. I knew that it was coming. Nothing was going to stop it at all. I was going to get to Christmas as long as I could get to December 25th. Hope, then, is looking forward to something that you know is coming. And you can't wait. That's why it means, biblically, it means anticipating something you know is happening with pleasure, with joy. I can't wait. So it's almost like somebody at a starting line waiting for the pistol. You, you are anticipating, you are excited, you are looking forward to it. And the Bible describes hope for Christians like that. You and I are in a position of looking forward to, with hope, our future in heaven. What we wind up doing is allowing this hope to grow dim, to grow distant, to lose touch with it. A lot of us struggle to keep our eyes focused on where the Bible tells us to keep it focused. And what we're going to find out through Scripture today is just how important this hope is. It is foundational in our walk with God is this hope that we have in heaven. Okay. So we've defined what it is. 
We're going to flesh it out a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 6. Rob, would you read that for us? Okay, now I know what happens in the book of Hebrews. Just so you know, Hebrews has probably the most complex Greek structure in all the New Testament. Uh, we don't know who wrote it, but it was written from a Jewish Christian's point of view to a group of other Jewish Christians. It's called the book of Hebrews because it really deals with what the early church Christians were dealing with that had a Jewish background. So laced all throughout here are Old Testament shadows, allusions, uh, descriptions of the priesthood. It's really, really important. Hebrews is an incredibly important book because of that. And I know when you hear this, that the words start blurring together, the order of Melchizedek and what's he talking about, and two immutable truths by which it's impossible for God to lie. What are you saying? What is going on in this text? So look at what it, look at, and we came in the middle, so I'm not going to try to explain all of it, but what he's saying is we who have fled for refuge should have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We're talking about the same kind of hope that Paul was talking about in Romans 8. And the hope is that we have a future with Christ a future in heaven with Christ. And here he says, we should be encouraged, we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to this hope. So he's describing it as something real and something concrete, not something whimsical and a feeling. It is something that is real. And he goes on in verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. That is really interesting language. Everybody knows what an anchor is on a boat. Everybody pictures, like some of you may have a tattoo of an anchor. Anyway, it just got a couple hooks, goes up, chained to the boat. The purpose of the anchor is so the boat stays put, so that the wind and the waves when it's in harbor doesn't pull the boat back out to sea and destroy it the anchor goes down into the depths, into the, into the soil under the ocean, and holds the boat there. And here, the Scripture is saying that our hope is like an anchor, and where does the anchor go? The anchor goes into the inner place behind the curtain. What in the world are we talking about? Where Jesus has gone, as a forerunner. Now, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of Moses, there was the inner chamber, the inner part of the tent, the Holy of Holies. Have you heard of this before? Where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the priest went in once a year to make a sacrifice, and they went in once to provide atonement for the whole nation, and they presented blood of the, of the sacrifice onto the altar, the mercy seat, 
in the Holy of Holies. They did this once a year for the whole nation of Israel. Jesus, throughout this whole book, is described as going in there for us with his own blood, presents his blood in the tabernacle of heaven, in the Holy of Holies, on the mercy seat, so that everybody who comes to Christ is free forever. It's a final sacrifice. The sacrifice never has to be represented. It was done one time. Jesus did it. It's settled. It's open to all who believe. And what he's saying is, is that this hope we have for heaven has already been opened up for us and it's already made available because of Jesus. And when we believe and when we belong to Christ, this hope that we have is like an anchor that you spun up and threw into that holy of holies and it landed in heaven. The the hope that you have is an anchor, solid, concrete, unmovable, and it is in heaven and you aren't. But it is your hope in Christ. And it is a real, real thing. It is solid. It is not whimsical belief. It is not merely saying, I believe in Jesus. Because the devil could sit right here in the front row and raise his hand and say, I too believe in Jesus. And he does not have an anchor of his soul in hope in Christ behind the veil. Satan believes in Jesus, but he doesn't believe in Jesus. I don't know if that works or not. He does not have a saving relationship to Christ, but he knows who he is. This is not mere mental knowledge of who God is. This is faith in Christ who is going, who went in before me, opened up this this place that was closed off and opened it up by His blood, and now my hope is in Him, and that hope acts like an anchor of the soul. it's, It's being referred to as a real and concrete thing. So hope is not just whimsical. It's not flimsy. It's not dissipating in the wind or the mist. It's not like that. It is rock Solid. I have a reason for getting all excited about this. Who had the next verse? Ephesians. Brenda, go ahead and read that. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Alright, who had 2 Corinthians? That was you. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, uh, chapter 1, 21 and 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a Okay, and who had 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Was that just me? No, it was me. Okay. I knew I was leaving somebody out. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5 says, 
He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. In all three of those verses, did you hear the word guarantee? You did. Ephesians says it. To the praise of His glory, He's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. In the beginning of his letter to 2 Corinthians, Paul says it. And then here in chapter 5, he says it again. That the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee. What does that mean? So, I work at a bank, which is really helpful for explaining this. The word guarantee is a financial term that means down payment. How many of you have bought a house with a down payment? You know what that is. Or a car. Or something else. I will give you $5,000 as a guarantee or earnest money. I will put this money down so that you know that I am serious about purchasing that house. Everybody understands this concept. This is what God is saying to you. Now this, you, you get your head around this. God is using a very normal term that people understand called a down payment. And he is telling us that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee or earnest money or down payment on heaven. The Holy Spirit in our hearts is the guarantee that God gives us. He is telling, and specifically, uh, the guarantee of our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1. We have been given as a first fruits deposit from God Himself. And that reality of the Holy Spirit in us is telling us every day, you belong in heaven for eternity with me. That is what is happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have a down payment. Now, it's like, okay, is that really what he's saying? He said it in these, this is the only three places that word shows up, and it is a financial word. It means earnest money. God has given the Holy Spirit to us to assure us we belong to him. This answers, helps answer some questions when people have questions about whether or not they're Christians. Has anybody, and I want you to raise your hand when I ask this, because I want everybody to see how common this is. Has anybody ever wondered if you were really saved? Raise your hand. Okay, so that would be all of us. Everybody that names Jesus Christ as Lord. Would you also, if somebody really started agreeing with you there, if somebody said, you know what, Rob, you're right. I don't think you are saved. Do you know what Rob would start doing? He would go, wait a second, wait, wait. We don't share that with people so that somebody will agree with us. I just don't feel like I'm saved. You know what? I was thinking the same thing, Dan. I, I was thinking that as well. Uh, I think you need to give bigger offerings. Uh, I, think, I think maybe you need to do some penance and Hail Marys or whatever. That is a human response. We all feel this, I got to do more feeling. When the Bible says we can't earn it, so we look to ourselves and realize there's no assurance there. Right? There is no assurance in ourself. Because the longer you live for God, the more you realize even the good things that we do are frequently self-centered anyway. 
I kind of want you to know I did this good thing. I gave it anonymously, but I wanted you to know. I wanted you to know that I gave it anonymously. You know what I'm saying? I, wa I want people to know how spiritual I am. So you, the older you get in Christ, the more you recognize your own sinfulness. You're like, oh my gosh, everything I do seems tainted. The only reason it becomes an acceptable Roman sacrifice of uh, like a living sacrifice before God is because God is involved with us. And through the blood of his son, he purifies us. That is the only thing that makes it acceptable to God. You are not acceptable to God. God makes you acceptable to God. And what he does here is let us know that he is giving us a down payment on heaven. And heaven is what we're hoping in. Heaven, this hope we have, is an anchor of the soul. So, so what, what I'm getting at is, is that there is this connection between the power of the Holy Spirit and what He's done in your life and who He is right now and the hope that I have in, in where I'm headed. Because, because here's where we're headed, which is heaven, but this is where I am now. There's a, there's a gap. I don't know how many years this gap represents. I could live another 40 years. That's the gap. What am I going to do between now and then? I could live another 24 hours. I don't know. I don't know how long God gives me on this earth. What I know is, is that while I'm alive on this earth, I am looking forward with hope in my heart for heaven. And that hope is not flimsy. It is not whimsical. It is rock solid and it is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Jennifer, I want you to read uh, the, uh, Romans 15.13. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound, or that word means overflow in hope, and you do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is acting as our guarantee, as our down payment on heaven, and the Holy Spirit is overflowing in us with hope. So God brings us in salvation, God regenerates us, makes us a new creature. God fills us with Himself, His Spirit. We are born again. We have this down payment on heaven. And the hope that we have that acts as an anchor for the soul is actually supplied by and, and given to us by the Holy Spirit. That means that this rock-solid hope is a part of this rock-solid salvation that is done by God. And it means in 2022 that as I am looking forward to wherever God has taken me here in this gap, that the ultimate reality that I should have in my life is I am going to heaven, period. If I lose my job, if I lose my health, if I lose money, if I lose family, 
anything that goes on that is awful and terrible and rough and suffering and difficult, I have this anchor for my soul that keeps me going towards heaven. Now, why, why am I bringing this up? Because there's Scripture that ties all everything I just said together. Look at, we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All I read was verse 5. I want you to see everything that's said and why this is so important because we need a God that sustains us through difficult stuff. And that is why this, these, these verses on hope are so important. And I want us to have it at the beginning of the year as something you will remember throughout this year and whatever you see or face or deal with or are currently dealing with, that you have something from Scripture to go to and stand on and say, thank you, Lord, for your promises. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, my body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, there's that same language again, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we were, are still in this tent, in our body, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, eternal life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, as the down payment. There's the verse I read. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yet we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. This scripture is telling me that there is groaning happening in the life of a Christian. But in the middle of that, it's telling me that the Holy Spirit has been given to me as a guarantee so that I am always of good courage. Why do I need to be of good courage? Because stuff happens to us between heaven and where you are today. I need the Bible to tell me, Steve, there is a place you are headed. You have me as your guarantee, but you are headed to heaven. And in between, there's groaning. But I am with you. The Holy Spirit has been given to us and prepared us for this very thing. This is really good news. But there is another scripture I want us to go to, and it's going to be the last place we go today. It's Romans chapter 5. And I want to tell you that this verse that we're going to finish up on totally changed my life. But I want you to hear the way that biblical hope is interwoven into the groaning, suffering, and struggling that Christians experience and how hope 
rises to the top and carries us through all of it. Verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're Christians. That's, that's verse 1. Through him we have also obtained access, access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So what we've been talking about this morning is this hope that we're rejoicing in, is this earnest expectation, this longing, this groaning to get there. We are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Which actually sounds great. We sing songs about it. We sang songs about it this morning. Rejoicing in the hope of where we're headed and what Jesus has done is actually not as hard as what the next verse says. Because verse 3, not only that, not only rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance or patience. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Let's go back through that again. Not only that, we rejoice in our suffering. I don't think that that means that we say, I am so happy that I have cancer. I am so happy that I went bankrupt. I am so happy that this terrible thing happened. I am so happy that I'm anxious. I'm so happy that I'm depressed. I don't believe that is what he's saying. I believe what he's saying is, is that we rejoice in or through these sufferings. We are still focused on who God is and what God has done and this hope we have as an anchor for the soul. But when the suffering comes, we don't quit rejoicing. We still have as our focus that God has saved us and has a place prepared for us that we are going and we are waiting for that with earnest expectation. So what the suffering does is highlights the hope. The suffering reminds me this is not my home. This is not where I belong. I will not live here forever. I am in a gap where I am walking by faith and not by sight, where I am waiting with hope and earnest joy and expectation to get out of here. The danger of prosperity is that we... Uh, it's not so bad here. I lose sight of where I'm headed. And when I do that, when we do that as Christians, the light within us is dimmed. What makes God look beautiful is in the mouth and hearts of Christians who are rejoicing with tears down their face. They're questioning God, but still believing in God. David, who finished a lot of his psalms with, Nevertheless, I will praise you. Job, who said, The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. They, they acknowledge the suffering, but they don't stop at the suffering. They don't glorify the suffering. They glorify the God who is the ultimate rescuer. Whatever happens to us here, we are headed somewhere incredible and beyond comprehension. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. That is where my hope is, is in Him, in the future, in heaven, and in this gap. When I get, through, when I get in the suffering, I do rejoice. Like James says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you fall in the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Paul said the same thing in less words. He said, we not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering actually leads to patience. And that patience, as we continue to rejoice and trust in God, leads to character. In the Greek, it says approved character. Godly character is formed in the life of a Christian who has their eyes on heaven, their hope is the anchor for their soul, they are worshiping God through pain, through suffering, through all kinds of stuff internal that they can't even verbalize. They keep their heart on God. They keep their mouth open in worship. They may say, Lord, why? But they also say, nevertheless, I will praise you. You are for me, not against me. You are for me. That song becomes a battle cry, an anthem. You are for me. And this temporary suffering, this light momentary affliction is working for me a far greater weight of glory when I get there. That's what Paul said. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Produces endurance or patience. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. We started with hope. And in this rejoicing in the hope that we have in Christ, more hope is produced. The, the message of encouragement I have for everybody is if you are suffering, if you are struggling, if you are fighting, whatever it is, as you rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, you go through this process and at the end of it, more hope is there because it becomes more and more real what God in Christ has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. This, this isn't something that you're causing to have happen. You are believing what He said and it starts exploding on the inside of us in the middle of our suffering. That God is good and He is taking me somewhere. Verse 5. We're going to finish here. So sufferings produced endurance. Endurance has produced character. Character has produced more hope. And hope does not put us to shame. It does not disappoint, the King James says. It does not disappoint. It's not going to let me down because this is not a whimsical hope. This is not a flimsy hope. This is a real anchor. This is concrete reality. This hope is eternal. This hope is secured by the Holy Spirit who is in my heart. This is not just a head knowledge. This is experience. Now experiences, don't, we don't want to seek experiences, and yet we do. This is an experience you should be seeking. 
You should be seeking this experiential reality that God in reality loves you. Because that's what he says next. The reason this hope doesn't disappoint us, the reason we know that it won't let us down, is because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you see all these verses, how they constantly are saying the same thing? Hope and the power of the Holy Spirit and groaning, all of it going together. God's love is something to be experienced. Genuinely. This is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And if I understand Ephesians 5 that tells me to be filled with the Spirit, in Greek it's a continual verb, it means be, being, filled with the Spirit. If that's true, then that means that as we seek God and as we worship God, as we press into God, as we read His Word, as we lift our hands, as we sing, as we say, I don't care what the suffering is doing. I, I trust that God, God is my only hope. He's my only source. These words are true. That in that, as we seek Him, God does fresh fillings in our heart of the Holy Spirit. Fresh outpourings of His love. Fresh outpourings of His mercy and His grace that we need. Those are biblical experiences that we can have in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we should seek God and let Him lavish us with His love. That is what my hope is based on. is on the love of Christ that for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish and have everlasting life. That that reality that sent Jesus is what is anchoring my soul to Him. So in 2022, the hope that we have is the hope you've always had. But this hope, if it's specific in your heart and mind, and you can say like millions of Christians before us have said, this world is not my home. This is not my final stop. I am an ambassador for Christ. My hope is in heaven. My hope is in Christ. He is the source of my life. The Holy Spirit is my down payment on heaven. I know that I know that I know that I belong to Him because He's poured out His love by the Holy Spirit into my heart. This gets us through. These are the verses that God gave me in the middle of that depression and that darkness. These verses on hope. And it was specifically... Steve, you're, you're so conditioned to be disappointed. You never think it will work. You never think anything will get better. You ne- in other words, you don't really think God's going to do anything. Hope does not disappoint. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are going to end doing something... Um, A little exciting. Uh, I'm going to have the elders come up if you would. And their wives if they're here too. This is something we want to do for anybody that goes away 
for any purpose, whether it's missions or college or anything like that. But we are going to pray for Abigail, who had no idea we were doing this. Abby is uh, super excited right now. Abby is going to uh, Cedarville University in Ohio. So, babe, I want you to come up. And, um, we just want to pray over her. Uh, we don't know where God will take her. But if you guys all want to gather around her, um, Rob, I'm going to. I'm her dad, so I'm just going to pray with you. We're just going to send her off with some prayer. All right, thank you all. Um, happy New Year. We are officially dismissed. Let's all stand up and why don't you tell somebody you love them on your way out. <laughs>